Welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. Today we have a beautiful shiner joining us today. Hi Rebecca, how are you? Good Danny, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Rebecca McGowan is the Director and Principal Lawyer of McGowan Family Law, accredited family law specialist, empowering you to make informed choices about your family, property and financial resources. Rebecca is also an independent children's lawyer and a mindset and empowerment coach at The Separation Coach. So we're going to delve into all of that today, Beck, and find out more about your journey to becoming that gorgeous person that you are today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So we're going to go back to childhood. And did you always know that you were, wanted to be a lawyer? I did. I wasn't sure what sort of lawyer, but I initially started thinking I might have wanted to be a criminal lawyer, but I'm so grateful I didn't choose that path. Um, yes, I come from a single parent family and I was very close with my brother and I think I always, being an empathic sort of personality, I always understood what kids needed and wanted parents to understand what kids needed. And so I brought that into my practice. So at what age did your parents separate? I was three and my brother was three months. Oh, so very young. Very young, yep. Yeah, and that stayed with you. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, we had very minimal time with Dad and uh, as, you know, the 1970s Family Law Act um, provided for uh, the non-resident parent to have every second weekend, so one night a fortnight, no school holiday times. There were special occasion times. I do have great memories of Christmases with my dad's family and my mum's family, um, but that was a really strong memory that I have and our family law situation position has changed so dramatically over the, the, the decades. So from high school and straight into law, was that, you know, law, you need to have top marks there, Beck. Were you quite, you know, top of your class? No, I never was. I, um, well, I was in primary school. Uh, into high school, I didn't get the results that I needed. I actually found that to be really confronting. I thought I was doing everything right. I thought by doing the humanities and the you know, social sciences sort of subjects and the legal subjects in high school that that would equip me for what I needed into um, to law. And then I got my results and I tried. And I thought, oh, life's over. That's it. There's no, you know, I can't achieve this dream. I can't help other people. Um, and I can't grow as a person because that's it, done. And then I um, found a... One advisor, he said, oh, there's always, a, there's always a way. If you're prepared to work, there's always a way. And so I was accepted into a Bachelor of Arts at La Trobe Uni and I did um, majored in legal studies and I did a lot of law subjects on an undergrad basis and also did some women's studies there, which is where I started to um, really find my passion for, um, I suppose, sex crimes and violence, uh, family violence and empowerment of women. And then after doing two years of my Bachelor of Arts, I got the, well, the first year I kind of partied a bit, um, worked a bit too much, <laughs> had a boyfriend. <laughs> I got a C average and I thought after the first year, this is not 
you know, this is not going to deliver to me where I need to be. So I knuckled down and I broke up with my boyfriend, reduced my workload, focused a bit more, and then I got the the average that I needed in the second year and I got accepted to law. But I thought, no, I'm actually just going to finish this uh, degree. So that was six years of of uni nonstop. And at four and a half, five, I really felt that. But That's a long time. It was, yeah, six years was definitely with no breaks straight out of high school, straight into six years of uni was a challenge. But looking back now, I'm really grateful that I stuck at it when the times that I didn't want to, because I really didn't want to. Um, Yeah, got through it, finished. And yeah, then I found a role uh, as an article clerk, which is what we did back then, the olden days now. not so many years ago, but um, <laughs> it's very it's very different path to becoming a lawyer now. It was a good, you know, a really great firm for learning how to run a business. I learned so much in that firm. I felt completely capable of um, of running my own firm. I remember having coffee with the girls, wonderful assistants that they were, um, and you know, talking about. You know, one day my dream is to open McGowan Family Law. Just don't know when and I don't know how, but that's what I see myself doing in the future. Um, so, yeah, the dream was really born in the kitchen uh, with the, the wonderful friends that I've developed in the assistance all those years ago. Was it at the time, Beck? was it um, that, I guess that was a smaller firm, sort of a suburban firm, I'm presuming? Um, was, you know, was the male to female ratio even or was it more males in more leadership positions? How was it? Um, there was three male partners of that firm. They'd never had a female partner. Um, all, the, all the staff were, which is unfortunately very traditional of all firms, um, female. But, yes, yeah, really heavily male-based all management decisions were made by men. And it was something that I think my principal in the second office that I worked at said to me early on, he did say, you know, there's a, there is a lot of sexism. There is a lot of um, unkind behaviour in law firms and it still continues today. It's, it's a very, still a very male-dominated um, profession. And he said to me early on, you, know, you should be at home you should be cooking, you should be in the kitchen, um, you shouldn't be here. No, no female lawyer can be a good lawyer and I just don't respect women as lawyers. The way that I dealt with that was I said to myself, I'm going to show this practitioner that women are as good but actually no, probably better than men and that I can do this role and I did. Um, so I set out to learn that role. Uh, when I was admitted to as a solicitor, I was working primarily with another partner who was brilliant and I learned so much from him. He's still in practice in another firm now and he's been an absolute inspiration to me. And I got pulled in and said, told, look, we've got this role and you said you want to be a family lawyer at the start and we've now got this position that's opened up because we're moving somebody on. Are you happy to take this role? And I was terrified. I thought, I've been a lawyer for three months. I've never been inside a courtroom. I had worked on, I had worked on two family law matters at that point, just bits and pieces though. I hadn't, I think I'd sat in on maybe two or three family law client conferences and I was terrified of that. But 
I decided to take it on and I spent, that's where I really learned how resilient and strong I could be because there was no calendar, there was no uh, court calendar, no list of client files. I just had filing cabinets full of files and I knew nothing about anyone. So I spent a lot of time working hard to, uh, I suppose, improve that practice and get to learn who I was as a very, very junior practitioner. Um, it was... It was difficult. It was, there were hard days. There were long days. But I set out initially to say, look, I'm going to create this as a really successful family law practice for this firm. And I'm going to, you know, acknowledging my shortcomings as a new lawyer, um, start to reach out and find my own mentors in barristers and you know, other people that I could work with. And my goal was to make more money than that principal that told me I should be in a kitchen. I love that. I put the fire in your belly to show him. <laughs> and I did. And I did. And when, and when I consistently made more money than him and he turned around and he said to me, you've changed my opinion about female practitioners. You are worthy. And he actually said those words to me. I thought, good. I've done all I can do in this firm now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Um, it was it was a really big challenge and I'm grateful for it. That's really amazing, Beck, because that would have taken a lot for him to admit that to, especially to you. So that really changed someone else's life as well. He was a, Danny, he was a really tough practitioner. He was um, older. He was really nearing retirement and he was so set in his ways. And, you know, I came in with obviously some new ideas and you know, being young and being a female it just didn't sit well with him. But, you know, rather than being scared of him, as most people in the firm were, and for good reason, he was, he was tough to work with, um, really tough. I suppose that's where I learned that, you know, you, bullies come in all shapes and sizes in every walk of life, and you can either stand up to them and you know, make yourself stronger and more resilient and grow yourself, or you can run and hide. And I stood up to him. So, yeah, it was, a, it was good. We ended up having quite a good friendship. Um, at the end of uh, my time there, I used to pick him up and take him to work occasionally and we'd have great chats. And I felt that he saw me then as a, you know, somebody he respected. And that was really life-changing for me and hopefully a little bit for him. Hopefully the next female practitioners that came after me had an easier time in that practice as a result a of experience. him. Yeah, of him maybe changing his opinion and saying, well, you know, women are powerful and we do great work and it's, you know, it's not a man's world and law has changed a lot since then. Uh, but, you know, we still, we still struggle with that as female practitioners. How old were you when you started in that role at that firm? Oh, I was. How old was I? Ooh, uh, 24 and a half when I started that's so young like that's that's the age a lot of people are kind of going into their first full-time job sort of starting to kind of just finishing off the partying and really starting to find themselves so that's a lot of responsibility yeah it, it, it really was and I don't think I was um I had no idea what I was in for uh, I thought whatever I thought the practice of law would be it wasn't and it, there was lots of tears and not that I'd show him, um, lots of tears, lots of stress, lots of sleepless nights, 
but once I you know, started to carve out my role and understand and start actually having some results and some relationships with my clients, um, you know, it, it all became so much easier and so rewarding. And it was that role. I mean, it really did change. It shaped who I am now and so much of how I treat my clients, my relationships, how I value the relationships with my, my team and my clients come from the relationships I formed in that firm. And, you know, I'm really, really just, oh, eternally, I mean, the, the principal who's still um, working, we touch base with uh, you know, a couple of times a year and it can always be, well, can never be more grateful. And I tell him that a couple of times a year, if it wasn't for, you know, for him, not the, the older one, the younger one, he was wonderful. Um, he was always the softer one. I'd go in there and say to him, I don't know if I can keep doing this. You know, it, it's just too tough. And he'd say, no, look, you, you know, you're doing a really good job. And just providing that feedback and encouragement was, was great. He was definitely a mentor for me, somebody that I respected. And I, I still do. Um, he's, he's a great guy. Um, how, you know, he, used to, he used to say to me, now, watch what I'm doing and do the opposite. Don't pick up my bad habits and, you know, learning about bad habits. You know, don't be working, you know, from 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night like I do. Did you listen? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did listen. Um, you know, he said to me early on, look, at some point we're going to probably offer you partnership here and just don't take it. You, you know, you need to grow and you, you're ready to go and do other things, leave. And then when I did come to saying to him, look, I'm, I'm ready to go, it was a sad occasion. Like, I, I mean, I really value those relationships and they were probably the, I would say the best relationships I've had in a workplace, but to me, they were really special. Those people became like my family and they, you know, the, the assistants in that firm became my, you know, my best friends and were a wonderful support and we saw each other outside work a lot and, you know, great it really just it was a really good it was a tough way to start my career and it definitely showed me what it took to be respected particularly as a female practitioner in family law but it um it showed me what I was made of and what I was prepared to do to you know, to make myself I suppose have an impact and I, once I started working with more and more clients then I could see, you know, just how much of an impact I actually could have. And I've constantly drawn myself back over the 18 years to, you know, childhood Rebecca. What did I want to say as an adult? What do I want my clients to know? And that's something that I do regularly in my practice now, which I think, I think my clients find different and um, helps, I hope it helps to have some insight and you know, to, to be a little bit more conscious in their parenting and, you know, particularly in the separation, family law, separations, divorce are in the top five stresses that you will experience in your life. Is it hard because these people, obviously it's a very emotional time for them and you're there listening to them and seeing them. Is it really hard to not, because my heart would break, is it hard to kind of, I guess you've had lots of years of experience now and, um, you know, as you said, you're very em empathetic, um, but is it difficult to distance yourself into that kind of professional relationship still? Yes. Boundaries. Um, 
and what I teach to my you know, now as I've you know, becoming more of a senior practitioner and I teach to my team quite regularly is boundary setting. It's important in every one of our relationships. It's important with ourselves. Uh, also the ability to switch off. I don't know how many nights I've lost sleep. I've woken up in the middle of the night just thinking, how can I, how do I, I mean, I hear the most horrific of you know, family violence stories and you know, child abuse stories and they stay with you. You can't ever let them go. They, I suppose for me, they've, those experiences have shaped who I am. But for me, it's about setting boundaries with myself and, you know, that, and then training and, and helping my staff to know, my team to know, it's okay to switch off and you have to switch off. Um, there's times I have to say, even now, uh, there's times that I tear up when I'm speaking to some of my clients because they've been through. How can every, you not? Yeah, I mean, some of these people, and look, it's men and women. Have you noticed, Beck, that especially, you know, the last, what is it, six months that we've kind of been in and out of lockdown here in Melbourne, has it changed? Are people less reluctant to kind of ask for that help with the circumstances that we're all finding ourselves in? People do struggle. I do feel that they are still open to communicating that to us. And I think in lockdown, because we've evolved and you know, we, we as lawyers did the traditional, I'm putting on my suit, you're coming into my office. I've always acknowledged that walking through my door can be a massive thing for a client because it signifies so much for them. It's the end or the ending of a chapter. And it's a complete point, isn't it? Yeah. Complete and, turning point. And complete uncertainty and putting themselves in the hands of somebody and their kids in the hands of somebody that they don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in lockdown, definitely in lockdown, um, look, we're, we all struggle with the lack of connection and community. And um, we can't just hug somebody. We can't kiss somebody in the cheek anymore. We can't. If somebody's struggling, we can't give them a hug. We can't even be with them. Um, you know, we don't. We have to be away from each other. So, yeah, I think that my clients definitely, at the moment, those that are really have really difficult situations, are uh, it's heightened. It's really difficult for them because I suppose you know, what I'm dealing with is people that don't know when they're going to have their kids or what's going to happen with their kids. They don't know if they're going to have a home. Their house has to be sold. Where they're going to live, they don't know. So, so much uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. So much uncertainty. And you know, particularly in lockdown, it's really it's very, very tough for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, when you've, you know, I've got one client at the moment who's also on top of all this, has been told that she's going to be made redundant. So, you know, that's so much... You know, her identity this is what I do I get up every day I go to this job even if it's in my, my lounge room or whatever since I'm yeah. in lockdown I have a sense of purpose and this is how I support myself and I occupy my mind as much as I can and when it's all taken away from you it can be really you know we all know completely overwhelming so let's go back to when you left um that first job and when you left was it to start your own firm? No, I went, I, I felt like in that first firm, I was really comfortable and I knew everybody. I, like I went to work and it was like, 
going and hanging out with my friends and my family. I loved it. Loved so it. you wanted a challenge. You wanted a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I always like a challenge, Danny. I always like to put myself in the uncomfortable position. Yes, so I got. I felt like I got to where I could go. And yes, I could have become a partner. I was way too young to become a partner. I hadn't. I hadn't. I'd done. Just met my um my now husband towards the end. So I think three months before I left that role, I just was too young, and I knew I needed to have more experience. I then thought, okay, well, what's my next challenge? What do I do next? So I went off to another firm, which was a specialist family law firm, and it was a massive awakening for me. And I found myself in the first week crying and thinking I have just been the biggest mistake of my life. I was desperately miserable in that firm. It was all about money and budgets and there was no, from my reading of how they treated their clients, there was no clients. The client didn't matter. The client was a dollar sign. Um, I completely just lost my focus there and I just really struggled with um, doing what I wanted to do. I continually asked, could, look, can I go off and be an independent children's lawyer because I'd like to give back. I'd like to have some impact with kids. The answer was no, that doesn't make us any money. What I took from that role was... Um, I was given a couple of junior solicitors, even though I was only a fourth year, fifth year lawyer by that point. I was given two uh, juniors to mentor and to um, work with on a daily basis. And I said to myself, well, this is time now. I'm in a specialist family law firm. This is time to really learn family law. This is time for me to sharpen my pencil, my skills, um, and do the best that I can here. So then... After that, I got to the point of thinking, when I turned 30, I thought, paid off my head with all my bonuses from all the, the hours that I had to do. Um, I said, right, that's it. I'm done. My mental health had suffered significantly in that term. And I was at the position where I, I said to my now husband, I think I'm going to leave. I think I can't practice anymore. I'm done. So how many years were you at that firm, Beck? Only a year and a half. Okay. So the year and a half, and it really showed me when when things aren't done with uh, compassion and love, and when the focus is wrong for you. And I'm not saying their firms at that point's focus was wrong; it was just wrong for me. The focus wasn't on service. It, it was wasn't on, aligned with who you were. Really wasn't. It really it was focused on making money and. I mean, that's great. Like, you know, we, we need to make money as well. But I couldn't focus on service at all. So, you know, it wasn't aligned with me. So I then said to, to my now husband, I think I'm done with family law. That's it. I'm, and he said, then what else are you going to do? And I sat there and thought, <laughs> there is nothing else. I don't know. I have been a family lawyer in some way, shape or form from early childhood. Um, I didn't know what else to do. So then, you know, it was his suggestion and he was a lifesaver. He said, can you do it alone? Can you just go out and start fresh and focus on what you want to do and, you know, serve people the way you want to serve them? So I did. Yep. 30 is when I made a decision to open up my own firm. When he said that, what thoughts went through your mind? Like, you know, if it's something that you'd never thought of before, was it fear? Was it, yes, I can? In that moment when he said, can you do it alone? I stopped and I remember thinking, 
Wow, that's scary. Can't do it alone. Oof. Buck stops with me, really stops with me now. Terrified, Danny. Terrified. Yeah. Um, but I've always thought, you know, those things that you are most terrified of are those things that you need to chase down. And so I did. Immediately, my mental health immediately improved. I was immediately happy. Um, just the best thing that I could have ever done for myself and for my family. Do you think, like I think of lawyers and I kind of think, oh, someone who's so confident, they can take on anything. Did you kind of have that feeling in yourself? Did you kind of like, well, there was the fear? No, it's, it's, an, it's a good act. I have to say that I'm not a confident person. I'm, yeah, public speaking is my fear. Um, I'm, no, not at all. And it's, it's about, I suppose it's about your comfort zone. Where, you know, where are you comfortable? I'm comfortable when I'm not seen, um, when I can just quietly do the work. And I've, I've spent, you know, I've only just really put um, McGowan Family Law onto social media you know, very recently because I've ne never really wanted to be seen. I've been happy to be quietly in the corner doing my work. But now I'm thinking, well, no, it's time to just put it out there and share it a little bit more. But no, I was terrified. And even um, every court appearance that I've done, that, those nerves, if I could run the other way, I would. I would absolutely. How was your first run, Beck? How was your first court appearance? My first, I'm actually really careful with my, um, with my team. Every solicitor that I've had the, the pleasure, the luxury of mentoring, and I, I get them all to start with a divorce hearing because it's so easy and so quick. It literally takes about five minutes maximum and you can so control what is going to be said. So that wasn't so much, that wasn't my part. But what was your first one? What was your first hearing? My first one was, um, oh, I still remember the judge, still practicing, he's still a judge now. Um, I stood before him. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I went into, it was, I think I had a barrister booked for a, a client and then the barrister pulled out last minute and I had to go and do it myself. And he said to me, I'll take your submissions now. And I looked at him and went, I don't have any. <laughs> I felt absolutely naked in this courtroom. I felt like all these eyes and all these barristers and lawyers were looking at me and my client was there and I was like going, open up grounds. I need to just be swallowed right now. I don't have any submissions for you. I'm like, you obviously can't say, Your Honour, I'm sorry, I don't have any submissions for you. Um, so I think I paused and I looked at him and I'm sure it felt like an eternity. It probably wasn't, but and I just thought, and you know, that little voice in my mind came in and said, um, come on, <laughs> something. It doesn't have to be the world's best submission, just make a submission. So I did. What I did was I, I um, found a whole lot of female practitioners and I had a few bad experiences with male practitioners, with male barristers. Um, so I found a few females that I really valued and I felt safe with actually saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Just being <laughs> honest. <Yeah. laughs> this is me and like, I can do the work, but when it comes to doing the submissions and putting my client's position, I kind of don't know what I'm doing here. And they were great because they'd say, you actually do. You just got to have a little bit more confidence and work on that. 
Do you think because, you know, the legal industry is so male-dominated that the women sort of stick together to sort of support each other? No, oh, some of us like to tear strips off each other. I'll tell you what, I got, I got bitten pretty hard by... Oh, I got bitten pretty hard by two female practitioners yesterday, yeah. Um, it's. I feel like in the court process between barristers, um, there's probably a little bit more of a, um, you know, got your back than there is between female lawyers, which is unfortunate. We, a lot of these lawyers seem to think that a lot of the, the senior female lawyers that we have now are really quite hard. They're quite masculine in their approach, they're dogmatic, and they're not fun to be opposed to. Um, they make things probably, I, I don't know whether it's a need to feel, you know, I can do it better than the men or, you know, I can be harder than the men. And sort of playing like, at the man's, yeah. in, a, in a man's yeah. world, yeah. Yeah, and I don't like that. I think there's a you know, there's a time and a place for us to be aggressive and there's a time and a place to be, you know, open to the fact that these are people's kids, their family, you know, their properties and just be a bit more respectful. But, yeah, I think the my relationships with female barristers are completely different with female lawyers. The female barristers are the ones that I'd say, you know, they can ring me, I can ring them and we just, they're there, we're there for each other and, it's they're, they're really supportive relationships. You know, there was a big Me Too movement on one of our um, Facebook pages, women's Facebook pages, about they're standing up to the the bullies, the male bullies. And, you know, I think we all have our stories of sexual harassment and abuse by male lawyers and barristers. I've certainly got quite a few of them. It's something that still happens. It's something that I, you know, encountered again uh, last year in a really big way that really quite affected me by somebody I didn't expect for it to happen from. Um, this is why I think, you know, the women, we, we try and stick together wherever we can, we're some barristers and, you know, my barrister mates. Do you see that changing in the future for women lawyers as it becomes less less competitive and less, I guess, cutthroat? Well, I don't know if it's going to come, become less competitive and cutthroat. It is exceptionally competitive. Um, I don't think I acknowledged how competitive I am until, you know, my husband said to me only probably last year, you are such a competitive person. And I said, I'm oh, not. And he went, oh, yes, you are. And now I catch myself and I go, okay, right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yes, I just, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer at heart. I, um, it's, it's the way I think. Um, I think the way that we're trying to mentor, I mean, I see with the big city firms, I see the way that they mentor there and when they've got males mentoring females, a lot of these women are really quite aggressive and it's it's sad because I think they're missing an opportunity to, um, to really have a, an amazing relationship and impact. We need more insight into how we're training and the, the mentoring that we're providing for our juniors Take it back. Yeah, take it back. And you know what? Does it really have to be such a cutthroat, nasty place to be? Yeah. I don't know when that's going to change. I certainly feel that our chief judge at the moment is um, definitely, you know, he'll, he'll talk about mental health. He puts it on the agenda. Um, lawyers are up there with the, in the highest percentage of you know, depressed workers and our suicide rates are not discussed openly. But lawyers and barristers, you know, depression's a major thing because if you haven't been able to master those boundaries and even when you have, 
these people's, you know, I, I might be dealing with 20, 30 people who have all got major issues. All those issues go straight into my head and they just brain dump into my head. And then if I don't have ways of coping with that, then that's all in my head and the responsibility is there. Um, I think, yeah, look, it's about us actually talking about how we treat each other. And I don't know, I see little shifts in law, but not enough at this point. So all I can do is I can have an impact in my space with my team and my clients. So how many do you have in your team now? Um, I have one. I have two lawyers at the moment and one support um, staff member and one accounts person. So we, there's five of us. Are you happy with the size of the firm now? Would you like to continue growing? What do you see? I've always wanted to be small. I'm deliberately boutique. I've been, uh, I've had a few firms try to buy me out over the years. I've got, you know, opportunities to go and work in big firms. You know, I could quite easily take my client load and off I go. But no, I'm happy as a boutique practitioner, um, suburban practitioner. I think that gives me the ability to judge um, how many clients can come in, what we can, we, we want to provide personalised service. I don't want my clients to be waiting too long to hear from me, particularly with their particular stresses. Um, so no, I'm quite happy. I think um, at six is probably going to be our, six or thereabouts will be our, our limit. We've been there at six before and I think it's a good number. It also means that I'm not only available for my clients, but available for my um, staff as well. Yeah. Yep, I have a very open door policy. So I think the bigger you get, the harder it is to just have those personal relationships. So I would imagine, as we've discussed, that, you know, the, the workload of a lawyer would be quite huge. But you still decided to go back to study and become a life coach and children's lawyer as well. I'm happy to continue growing and learning. I think that the start for me was once I started my firm, then to become an accredited family law specialist was really important to me. I wanted to know that I was the best I could be. When I became an accredited family law specialist, that was it. I was able to say to myself, I know what I'm doing and that's enough. And then it wasn't. So then I decided <laughs> to go after becoming an uh, independent children's lawyer, which is effectively a, a pro bono role. You get a little bit of um, remuneration, but not a lot for the amount of hours you put in. That was me looking back to, okay, why did I start this in the first place? Why did I go through six years of uni, one year of um, articles and you know, everything I've been through? Because I, I actually want to have an impact in kids' lives. Does the work that you do with kids, Beck, does that change your relationship with your own children? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I've got two kids. I've got Madison who's... 11 and Jack who is almost nine in a couple of weeks and I think it's me constantly being aware and self-awareness is something that not a lot of my clients have the skill and I try to get them to sort of develop that skill self-awareness as a parent just understanding that you know, everything we do we have so much power over these little minds and the way that we guide them and shape them is so you know, we may not see it, but everything we say, everything we do, their body image, their mental health. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I'm, I'm actually having an open dialogue as mine, you know, 11 and almost nine with my kids about some of these other kids just to, you know, like, 
these are the things that these kids are experiencing. You know, from your perspective, how would you feel in this situation? And, you know, these are big emotions. So just trying to break it down for my kids and get them to, um, I suppose, have a bit of uh, life experience about how others, you know, what others are going through. Um, My daughter's quite empathic and... um, I'm, you know, trying to help her with not taking on too much herself. Um, but, yeah, it definitely does influence my parenting, for sure. Did your parents have any thoughts about you now? You know, obviously, when you decided to get into family law and children's lawyer as well, were they hesitant to kind of encourage you in that direction? Or was it something that they saw was the obviously important to you through your own experiences? I think my mum just always knew that this is where I was going to go. Um, I don't think she ever stopped to question it. Supportive of what I do and I suppose understanding. You said before, you know, obviously the role of a lawyer is a lot of hours of work and it is. And the unfortunate part of, I don't know if it's all lawyers or if it's self-employed lawyers, is that I'm unpredictable with when I'm going to be working a lot Um, you know sometimes I am working a lot of nights and I know that I'm not you know not in balance and not aligned with my vision for myself or my family when I'm working nights and weekends but um, it's it's also meant that I'm not available the way I would like to be and I have an inner struggle about that as well because I can't give back to I mean I give back to my family as much as I can particularly my immediate family my husband my kids um, but my extended family and my friends I suppose suffer a little bit because I just I feel the need to do it I can't be everywhere and yeah I, I mean there's there's things now that um that I'm looking at you know trying to change so part of then that ongoing growth, then becoming um, a life coach was part of me just taking my growth to a whole other level. Isn't it interesting? Because when I started my business in particular, I didn't know about any of the personal development that I would have to go through. Like I used to look at those personal development books in the bookshop and go, oh, ridiculous, you know, that kind of thing. But it's amazing how much you go through, especially becoming a mother on that same journey, the amount of development that you need to do to progress and, you know, improve not only your life, but, you know, the ripple effect as we speak about with the ones that are closest to you. So I think it's really interesting, Beck, that you've now done this life coaching and it kind of, it kind of formalizes what we all need to do, but it's so beautiful that you're able to offer that to your clients and help them through that as well. I had a, um, a, a sort of a crisis, I think it was earlier last year, and I said to my husband at that point, I cannot do this anymore. This job has, you know, I've got established boundaries, but I'm not good at always enforcing those boundaries when it comes to my work-life balance. That's been a challenge for me. And, you know, when I've had to say no to things that I normally in you know, family or friends or myself would want to say yes to, when I'm committed to, I'm going to walk the dogs with my family around the block. Um, and I can't because I've got to do this work. I've got this inner struggle. But I'm, I'm committed to just trying to um, improve myself all the time and make, make life easier. I think when, when I came to this realisation that I didn't want to do this anymore, and again, I said to Scott last year, 
I think I'm done. I think I'm not giving from my overflow. I'm empty. I'm just empty. I'm sick. I'm like I've allowed it to make me significantly sick and I can't do it anymore. I'm selling this business. I'm done. Again, he said to me, we had the same conversation. And then what are you going to do? <laughs> I think but, I love uh, your husband. <laughs> too much of a realist. Um, <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I'm a realist too now. And I have got more, you know, more skills now. And I am more saleable now. And I can go and I can convert into these other roles. And then he said to me, yeah, fine. But you've become, as a self-employed um, person, you've got complete control and flexibility other than when you're in court. Complete control, flexibility. You can be at the school when we were at school. You can be at the school. You can do all the pickups and drop-offs. You shaped your life around what you want. So what do you do if you're then going and you, you know, take a role that's requiring you to work 60 hours a week and you're not here? That's not aligned with who you are. So that's when I decided, okay, crisis of um, life crisis, I think it was for me. And I really stopped and said, I'm, I'm starting to resent this. I don't love this. I'm not. You know, I've forgotten why I do it. And then I had an opportunity to uh, do a life coaching course, which I had, you know, I sort of toyed with. I've been going backwards and forwards with doing a psychology degree for as long as I can remember. I actually walked into the psychology building when I was doing um, my arts degree and I was ready to say, look, I want to, you know, I want to do psychology and no one came. And I kept ringing the bell and no one came. And I did that twice and no one came. So I thought, It wasn't okay, meant to be. wasn't meant to be, but I really always wanted to do it. So I thought, well, do I really want to go backwards and work with the you know, fixing the traumas and the issues of the past? Or do I want to you know, meet my clients where they're at now? Which is, you know, I say to my clients now, where you're at right now is perfect and it's fine and it's where you're meant to be. What can I do to take them to the next step? And that was myself as well. How do I grow in my business and in myself? And how do I even you know, take my well-being and my family well-being to another level? And then I saw the life coaching course and I knew somebody that had um, that is a life coach. I knew a couple, I've worked with a couple of life coaches, two of them, and loved them and you know their just their outlook and uh, their strategies. So I enrolled and life-changing, really life-changing it sounds like you were doing it before anyway you always had a holistic approach which is that this formalized that, that yeah process. It, it has and you know I'm, I'm now working like I'm I'm working with two life coaches at the moment and just the amazing changes and the growth that I'm seeing in myself uh you know it's it's amazing work so yeah and then I mean, the clients that I've had the opportunity to coach just you know having that privilege of seeing them in their family law space and then seeing them in the coaching space is awesome because I'm particularly working with disempowered women, I suppose, um, or, you know, I'm definitely work with men as well, but um, women that have really lost their sense of self, their voice, um, you know, empowerment is just not a word that they've, um, they've known. So, you know, a lot of people come to me and say, well, I like the idea of empower yourself. That's, that's interesting to me because I'm certainly not empowered. And I recently ran a trial with a lady who I watched her and it was a virtual, it was my first virtual trial, but I watched her, I sat back and watched her and I just saw this woman who had lived a life where she had been told how she was living and criticised and she was never enough for her mother-in-law. She, you know, her, her husband was always, you know, mum loved him, 
only child and never accepted her. And she struggled in this relationship forever. And I watched her come into the, um, into her own, I suppose, in a virtual witness box. And afterwards she said, I have never felt so empowered. And I was like, yay. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yay. One last question. What's mm. been the highlight? Um, the one standout. It's going to be hard. I think look, my standout is going to be my kids. Um, I never saw myself as, I was never maternal and I never really set out to have the kids. I think it was something you know, if I felt that maybe I would have to do one day, have to do. But I chose them. I met the most amazing partner. He is, so to him now, you just, like he's so much a realist and he's um, empathic and he, he just offers me, I don't know, he's my, you know, he's my yang to my yin, yin to, to my your yang. yang or yeah, yang. he really is. And, he, you know, he holds me accountable in a, in a really supportive manner, is non-judgmental. I think he has allowed me to grow into who I am and he's supported me and that's amazing. It's such a – I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful and I feel like every struggle I've been, been through, I think maybe I was manifesting him as a kid in pain when I, you know, felt unloved and I felt that, you know, abandonment issues, I think I maybe manifested him back then. And just having kids and having the privilege of being able to bring all of my, um, all of the skills and all of the knowledge that I've built and all of the passion that I have now, like once I turned 40, I felt like my life changed and I started to really enjoy it. And I think that's my biggest accomplishment, having them and watching them grow up differently to how I was, you know, how I grew up and watching them have the self-confidence and the self-love and respect. That's definitely the highlight. And if I can do that for any of my clients, so, so privileged to do that. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, Beck, especially during lockdown and all the challenges that that brings to us. Thank you. It's been lovely to connect with you. It really has. Really lovely. But, um, we'll have to do it again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to everyone for joining us today. We will have another episode of the She Will Shine podcast with you shortly. See you later. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewillshine.com.au. She Will Shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. Say goodbye to working alone and become a member at shewillshine.com.au.